0: Come on in, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 107 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, the founder and CEO of Ezra Group Consulting. Over the past 16 years, we've worked with hundreds of fintech vendors and enterprise wealth management firms to guide them towards making better business and technology decisions. If you are a CXO or executive suite at an enterprise wealth management firm, and you know how difficult it is to keep your technology infrastructure up to date and operating smoothly, That's where Ezra Group can help. We're experts in all aspects of wealth management technology, operations, and support. If you'd like a second opinion on any of your key systems, interfaces, or data sources, head over to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and click on the Schedule a Discovery Session button on the homepage. We will schedule a free call to discuss the biggest issues facing your firm and offer a solid plan for uh, addressing them. Remember, that's ezragroupllc.com. Okay, moving on from the shameless self-promotional segment. The Wealth Tech Today podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices in technology for wealth management, asset management, and related areas. And this is our August News Roundup. Here are the stories we're going to cover today. Number one, Altruist expands its portfolio model marketplace. Number two is our risk segment, where Orion launches a new 3D risk tool, and Morningstar announces their Morningstar risk ecosystem. Three, Broadridge to distribute Tiffin's suite of wealth management software. Four- Fidelity Digital to expand the staff by 70% on strong cryptocurrency demand. And a couple of housekeeping tasks before I forget. A quick shout out to our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. That's investinothers.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. And now let's get this episode started. story. In the news, Altruist expands its portfolio model marketplace. Altruist, an all-in-one technology plus custody solution for financial advisors, has recently secured a $50 million round of venture capital funding and added to their model marketplace with BlackRock, Redwood Investment Management, and State Street Global Advisors. So that's the news story. Uh, Although the the $50 million funding was really announced in May. So I'm not sure why that's still just coming out now, but I guess they want to re-emphasize that they've got this $50 million. Uh, Firms are, uh, by the news, is having a little bit of trouble classifying what altruist is. And it is a bit of an anomaly uh, compared to other other solution providers. You know, they are FinTech Plus Custody. Uh, You know, it's the old, or they are floor Wax or Dessert Topping. They seem to be a lot like smaller players offering custody tech, uh, tech packages like Shareholder Services Group, which resells Pershing uh, custody, uh, Trade PMR, which resells First Clearing, because of course, Altruist resells Apex Apex Clearing. But they are doing pretty well. There must be some there. A there. Uh, former Vanguard CEO, Bill McNabb, has also invested in Altruist and has joined their board. So they seem to be doing quite well, uh, attracting a steady stream of RIAs from other custodians and other tech platforms. But you know, it's more than just the tech and the custody. There's really something more to Altruist's uh, message and their business model. There is a lot of uh, marketing there, although they really don't spend a lot on marketing, but more of a guerrilla marketing campaign. And I think advisors see a bit of exclusivity with Altruist, uh, more than just the tech and, and custody package together. Uh, They see that as some sort of exclusive uh, approach, which for some advisors see that as a nice differentiator by offering uh, that they're they're on Altruist. It's also cheaper. They've got a great pricing model, just a dollar an account per month, which is 12 bucks a year per account, which can be a huge discount compared to the bigger platforms like Orion or Tamarack. And uh, even better pricing than Betterment for Advisors, which I believe charges 15 basis points. So that's really not scalable. You know, a dollar, 12 bucks a year is super scalable for advisors as they grow their assets. The price does not go up. So, very good for, for even especially smaller clients, but it works well for larger clients as well. So, back to the, the model marketplace and, and why why they launch it and why are they expanding it. So, that there's a couple of reasons why I see them having a model marketplace. One is makes their platform stickier, keeps advisors there, it's more integrated solution, makes them happier that they keep everything in one place keep some assets from going to TAMPs, and also a, a more revenue growth via the asset-based fees they can collect from their model marketplace. Uh, although they seem to be doing it um, uh, at a much lower price than other firms. So they're not making as much money, but I'm sure they see it as a scalable play and they're happy to, to play the long game there. But there's a lot they can do with custody, uh, having the economics of those 15 to 25 basis points of the custody and clearing business things like um, margin and securities-based lending, they have access to all those custody-based revenue streams that other FinTech players do not have. So their marketplace launched in February of this year uh, with just DFA and Vanguard in their own models, which is nice to have as well. And now expanding that, they really want to be able to attract advisors and give them more offering and more opportunities. And we've done a lot of research in this space when it comes to marketplaces and model marketplaces specifically, and it's uh, sort of up and down, and we really there's really not a lot of hard data on how many advisors are using model marketplaces or how, what the assets are on the model marketplace. It's kind of mushed up with model portfolios in general. I know were the last hard data we saw was from Broadridge a couple, of, I think, two years ago, that there was something like three trillion dollars on model marketplaces, on model portfolios in general but model marketplaces like what, uh, like Altruist is offering, similar to what Riskalyze offers, uh, former company Orange, which went out of business, was offering, TD Ameritrade had a model marketplace, Morningstar has a model marketplace. Uh, we don't really know what the assets are across these tech-driven model marketplaces. YCharts did put out some research that you could interpret uh, in two different ways. They, only, they showed only in their survey of advisors, only 13% were currently using model marketplaces, uh, but 39% said they're not, but they are interested. So you can look at that as some green field for model marketplaces. And also they saw that RIAs with less than $500 million in assets were more likely to use model marketplaces, which seems to fit with Altruist's current sweet spot demographics. So All in all, I I like the opportunity or the offering from uh, Altruist in general and having them on a marketplace seems like something that they would only launch if they were getting some uh, demand from their customers. And I'm really looking for other platforms to do the same. At least one other should come out doing something similar as Altruist with a tech and custody platform. Considering the squeeze on, on tech platform fees that's going on, and all the offerings of, of free tech, uh, and especially some with this combination of custody, there's got to be some niche space, some 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 area that firms can exploit now that you've got the big four custodians: Schwab, Trade, Fidelity, Pershing, now Goldman, that you can differentiate and show some some opportunities for advisors. So, in summary, the 50 million dollars in new capital, I expect all to, us to continue expanding their product offering and their software platform to the point where they can start attracting larger RIAs. Remember, you don't to destroy your competition. You don't have to steal all their clients; just the best ones. Okay. Story number two is actually two stories, and they're both about risk assessment, risk tolerance. It is Orion launches new 3D risk tool as risk tolerance moves from compliance to client conversations, and Morningstar announces the launch of a new of their new Morningstar Risk Ecosystem. So let's start with. The Keats' advisor map, which I I helped Michael with. You can take a look at that at keatsis.com in the latest, the August version of uh, his FinTech News. And we've got three sections that fall into this area. We call them risk tolerance, behavioral assessment, and stress testing. So those areas are sort of combining. They're really uh, linking up with each other. We may even have to kind of merge them together if things keep going this way, Uh, especially the way at least Orion and Morningstar and as well Riskalyze as well are, are really approaching the, the market and approaching the way they provide the software to advisors. So with uh starting with Orion and their tool. So this is their way of what you're seeing is, is taking, leveraging of some of their acquisitions, including Brinker Capital and their behavioral finance resources, as well as um, what, they've, what they've purchased from Hidden Levers. So taking these two uh Technology platforms and merging them and building out a, a new tool, which they're calling a 3D risk profile. So it's a questionnaire designed to infuse academic research and behavioral psychology into Orion's risk profiling and financial planning tools, which they got the financial planning tool when they purchased Advisor uh, a couple of years back. That's legally according to the announcement. So again, merger of Brinker Capital brings in the behavioral finance especially uh, with uh, Daniel Crosby, a guy I respect a lot. He's got some really great uh, books out and some uh, good thinking about behavioral finance. So taking some, some of his thinking of things that he's doing and merging it with what they got from Hidden levers. Now, I'm a big fan of behavioral economics, especially research done by Daniel Kahneman, uh, Amos, Tvers- Amos Tversky, and uh, described in his best-selling book, Thinking Fast and Slow. So uh, I'm really interested in this kind of thing and how it's in, uh, moving into uh, the advisory space and how tools are, are leveraging this research and turning it into algorithms. Really, you take your algorithm, you t- turning taking an algorithm and using it to uh, deliver some of these behavioral finance, behavioral economic theories. Some stats uh, point in the right direction to advisors who are using behavioral finance. According to one survey. Advisors who use behavioral finance have gained clients at almost twice the rate of those who don't. This is from Charles Schwab Investment Management. Now, let's not confuse correlation with causation. It's not the only factor when it comes to gaining clients. Now, they may have only measured that factor, but it doesn't mean it's the only factor. Maybe that just advisors who are more successful in general also use behavioral assessments. But not a bad uh, stat to use, and we're, we're seeing it thrown around a bit by the behavioral finance-driven tools. Uh, Hidden Lever started this portfolio of stress testing, at least when I first saw them, I think seven years ago or more. And uh, they've, they've since expanded. They're still doing stress testing, still building out those tools, but they've also built out a proposal generation tool, which has gained a lot of traction. In fact, when we saw the demo recently, they told us that 60% of advisors who are buying their software now, buy it for proposal generation. That's interesting. Uh, and of course, risk tolerance risk assessment can be a part of your proposal process part of the ips uh, for some advisors so it's no risk. It certainly makes a lot of sense to combine risk with the proposal so the 3d part of orion's tool name 3d risk profiler uh, 3d risk profile sorry uh aims to capture all three dimensions of risk tolerance capacity and risk composure by assessing the client's tendency to be concerned about volatility and help advisors identify which clients are most likely to be too excited in bull markets or too stressed in bear markets. So I think the goal of Orion's tools to help advisors better predict how a client will respond to volatility and help the advisor become a better coach for their clients. And of course, uh, Orion also wants to make their platform stickier, uh, offer more or, or more parts of the advisor workflow inside their their tools, so they don't leave to use something else. Because every piece of uh, the end-to-end wealth management process that a company can own and integrate tightly makes them more likely to stay, less likely for other vendors to come in. So it's uh, good for Ryan to do this. Now, why is Morningstar launching their risk ecosystem? Well, Morningstar has always been a strong player in the RIA technology market. Uh, I think when I uh, reported from their conference, uh, I think two or three years ago, uh, they had north of $400 million in revenue just from technology and it's out of their billion dollars in total so if they were just a tech vendor we got rid of all the data they'd be one of the largest tech vendors in the wealth management space at least so that's a little known fact they really have a, a decent technology offering and they're making it stronger they're really investing a lot in their technology uh, spending a lot of time building it out looking for uh, opportunities to cross sell looking for opportunities to cross integrate their own tools which they really haven't done in the past They've sort of let the tools run on their own and stay separate And that's changing, which is a good thing, good thing for them, bad for their competitors because they've always been able to exploit those, uh, those silos of data and technology. One of the biggest, uh, most popular products that Morningstar has is their Morningstar advisor workstation, which has tremendous market share. Uh, I've heard north of 150,000 advisors have access to it. That's not, that's not active users. Of course, that's just advisors who have access to advisor workstation because they have a lot of enterprise deals. Uh, I don't know exactly how many advisors are active users, but they're really just scratching the surface with integrations and, and adding new features to the platform. And one complaint we had heard from advisors in our analysis uh, of the tool was that it's very investment-focused and the industry is moving more towards goals-based. So I see Morningstar changing that now, especially uh, with this new risk ecosystem and with some of their acquisitions and Morningstar Advisor Workstation, up until now, primarily proposal generation, security research, and screening. That's really all it was. It did a good job at it. That's all. That's all it did. But they're uh, they're making a number of acquisitions, and they are attempting to integrate them all into this weak risk ecosystem. Now, one of their wasn't well, an acquisition. This is a new tool they built called Goldbridge which I was referring to as a light financial planning tool, which they launched at T Three Enterprise. At the end of 2019, I believe, and it's now they told us that GoalBridge is now a core component of the risk ecosystem, which addresses some concerns for advisors that they're not goal, goals-oriented, and I thought that was a great uh, idea for them, and we're seeing it slowly build out over time. Why you're know, really you're really connecting their investment management or rather investment research, uh, security sc- research and screening, and moving it across through the ecosystem through. Your goal setting through your proposal through your uh your portfolio construction implementation they're they're, they're starting to connect the dots there so that's very good for them The another uh some actual acquisitions was 2019 they acquired a company called advisor logic which is based in australia and they offer financial planning software so that gives them uh that tool uh, and then they also recently acquired plan plus Global, which owns Finemetrica, so PlanPlus Global is Canadian-based, also financial planning. So another financial planning tool purchased by Morningstar, and Finemetrica, as you may or may not know, is one of the first uh, software tools that came out that did risk tolerance risk assessment. And Finemetrica is also based in Australia, just like AdvisorLogic. And one one thing I really liked when looking at their their uh, website, they're based in uh, in Australia in the city of Barangaroo. It's an area right like on the water, quite like nice. Um, So starting next week, Morningstar's new portfolio risk score will be available on advisor workstation, along with their new risk comfort range. So they're looking to measure portfolios risk compared to their target allocations and then apply to client portfolios, model portfolios. You can link it to their Morningstar's model marketplace, another tool that could plug into this ecosystem at some point will be connected. Now, uh, some have said that Morningstar is only offering one dimension of risk as opposed to uh, Orion's three dimensions, and those three dimensions are tolerance, capacity, and, and risk composure. But they've got some time. Now, we saw a demo of the Morningstar risk ecosystem, and they have room to grow, right? That's a good base they're building. It's, it's a one version. There's a lot of room to grow there. But they're still lagging behind both Hidden Levers, owned by Orion, and Riskalyze, the leader in risk profiling and assessment, in terms of risk assessment, scenario testing, other capabilities, but clearly moving in the direction of combining financial planning and risk assessment. And according to what they told us, they, they see themselves as doubling and tripling down on planning and risk in their technology. So as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing a convergence of risk tolerance, behavioral assessment, and stress testing. And Orion and Morningstar and other firms are, are, are following suit in merging these. Now, if you look at the uh, Keats's uh, advisor tech map, you'll see there's, I think, almost 30 providers in these three spaces combined. And they're all overlapping in, in, a, little of, uh, in a little bit in a little bit, and more and more. And that doesn't include, those 30 don't include the other vendors, risk, the other uh, REA platforms and financial planning tools and proposal generation tools that also offer some type of risk assessment, risk profile. So there's a lot of options for advisors when it comes to measuring risk. So uh, this will be much more powerful for Morningstar if they can connect their risk ecosystem to Morningstar office and offer straight-through processing from risk scoring to portfolio construction, implementation, rebalancing, trading, and reporting. Be a great end-to-end tool. So back to risk. Question is, will these free risk offerings, I forgot to mention that Morningstar is offering these risk tools for free as part of their, you have still got to buy Morningstar Advisor Workstation, but they're not adding a fee to that. Uh, I believe Orion is charging for hidden levers. So, but they may offer for free at some point in the future like they did to Advisor, it's possible. Um, But still it's gonna be part of the the overall Orion ecosystem. So will this put uh, any pressure on smaller providers like risk, pocket risk, totem risk who don't really have differentiated solutions and they mainly compete on price. Um, So we do see some impact coming to those especially for broker-dealers that have big Morningstar relationships. Uh, and also Orion is moving upstream. They've, they've built a fair number of broker-dealer and enterprise relationships and can offer uh, a tightly integrated solution with Hidden Levers and their proposal tool. That's something that these other providers can't match. So we do see some pressure on them. We see less impact on market leader risk allies due to their positioning. That is more of a client communications lead gen platform that just happens to be built on a risk and compliance chassis. And the risk and compliance tools are very good, uh, but they've got the, they're have the market leaders. They've got the better brand awareness, the better, the better uh, market awareness. Uh, they, they're definitely the leaders on when it comes to integrations and connectivity to other vendors. So less less direct impact on risk-wise, but more impact on the smaller risk vendors. So that's where we see this happening. And we're looking for more of this in the future. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Invest in Others recognizes individuals and advisory firms that are making a difference by donating their time and money to causes that matter to them. By sharing their stories and awarding funding to organizations they care about, Invest in Others raises awareness, encourages others to get involved, channels additional resources to those in need and demonstrates the generosity of the financial advice industry. I've been involved with Invest in Others for a number of years and we just did our judging. Uh, I've been uh, fortunate to be asked to be a judge for some of their um, awards. And the one we just did was volunteer of the year. So we reviewed 10 different uh, advisors and their charities and what they gave to their charities, the work they've done over many years, more than a decade, of work with their charities to try to come down to which one was the volunteer of the year. And the volunteer of the year, their charity will receive $50,000. The second and third place runners up get $20,000. And I believe the next three uh, get $2,500. So a lot of uh, these charities are getting some money. The number one gets 50,000, really hard to pick. There's a lot of great charities out there. I would encourage you to go to investinothers.org. Uh, read about what they're doing, their good work, meet their board of directors, look at their grants for good, and make a donation. Your Hopefully, your your company will will match it. That means you can do double the good for a lot of great charities uh, to invest in others' foundation. On to the third story in this month's news. Broadridge distribute Tiffin's suite of wealth management solutions. To better help financial advisors and wealth management clients accelerate growth, Broadridge Financial Solutions and Tiffin today announced that Broadridge will—I can't talk—that Broadridge will integrate and distribute a broad. Sorry, I'm reading this press release. Today announced that Broadridge will integrate and distribute a broad range, a broad range from Broadridge. Broadridge will integrate and distribute a broad range of Tiffin's fintech wealth solutions. That enable advisors to create hyper personalized solutions for their clients. That's why I hate reading press releases. So if they, if they put can they put any more industry jargon into these? But I have to read one more hyper personalized application that reduces friction, I'm going to scream. The distribution agreement follows Broadridge's April 2021 strategic investment in Tiffin, along with J.P. Morgan Asset Management and Morningstar. Okay, so this is uh, this is a big deal. Uh, Tiffin has grown pretty quickly uh, since being founded in 2018. So these three firms don't throw around money lightly. Broadridge, JP Morgan, Morningstar, they seem to know what they're doing. They seem to make some very good acquisitions, some very good investments, at least for the most part. Again, you can't be perfect every time. You're gonna have some mess ups and you're gonna make some mistakes, but for the most part, these these firms seem to know what they're doing. So uh, their vote of confidence in Tiffin uh, but their investment is a vote of confidence in Tiffin's management and their direction. So Tiffin's grown quickly, as I mentioned. Uh, Broadridge will integrate and with and provide distribution for Tiffin solutions, including, but uh, maybe not limited to, Positively, Magnify, Louise, and Totem. So these are all applications that uh, that Tiffin owns. Wait, isn't it called Totem Risk? There's, there, is that not, not calling it Totem Risk anymore? Just Totem? Okay each of which addresses friction, oh, there we go again, friction in the wealth tech industry. So the first product being distributed through Broadridge is Positively. Interesting product, Uh, they claim it's an advice personalization platform, rather they describe it as an advice personalization platform that enables advisors to tailor proposals and portfolios to each client's unique and holistic financial personality. That sounds to me like a portfolio construction tool, but it actually isn't. So when I'm looking at this this tool, this is more of a marketing lead gen questionnaire kind of tool, Uh, behavioral assessment is where I see this being positioned. And even if you look at the rest of the press release, Positively will be be available alongside Broadridge's premium digital marketing offering. So yeah, it's a marketing tool. I'm not sure what they're talking about, enabling advisors to tailor proposals and portfolios. Uh, Nothing more than being a marketing tool, advisors need marketing. Rodgers has made a number of acquisitions to bolster their wealth management offerings. In 2019, they acquired a company called Rockall, which is a market leader in securities-based lending and collateral management. Also in 2019, they acquired RPM RPM Technologies, a leading provider. Is every vendor a leading provider? They can't all be a leading provider. A provider of Canadian wealth management technology, again, another Canadian company. Uh, 2021, June, they acquired Advisor Stream. Uh, that's a was a real good pickup for them. They they they're making out, they're gonna make out like bandits on the advisor stream uh, acquisition. They've got some great technology, great um uh, great positioning of their business, what Kevin Mulhern and his team have done, uh, building out and, and and setting up all these um paywalls. So they 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 uh, sign contracts with all the paywall providers, Barons, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, so-and-so. so and uh, so and they offer that. One package solution to advisors, so they can distribute content, and no paywalls. And they've already got all these contracts already done, so they're ahead of the game. It's going to be hard for other vendors to catch up. Good, good pickup by uh, Broadridge there. And also, just this, just last month, Broadridge also acquired a company called um, Execution Compliance and Surveillance from uh, Jordan and Jordan, which is regulatory compliance capabilities, surveillance, and regulatory. The uh, compliance is always big. Uh, It's a driver of of, uh, FinTech uh, budgets, Uh, something you really can't say no to. And we expect the current administration to increase compliance requirements and increase regulation. So there'll be more drivers of compliance software. That's a good pickup for Broadridge. So what are some of the Tiffin properties? Oh, before I forget, uh, some Tiffin, some of the Tiffin portfolio companies were nominated for the 2021 Wealthy Awards from wealthmanagement.com. And those include Positively and Magnify, both nominated. So you can check them out, uh, wealthmanagement.com and look for the Wealthies Circle 2021. Oh, and also Clout. Clout's another company owned by Tiffin. What does Clout do? So Clout uh, Growth Marketing. So that's a content curation for a marketing tool. so, positively is the first application that Broadridge is going to distribute. Uh, back to our previous discussion on risk uh, assessment, behavioral assessment, positively is a behavioral assessment tool with a psychology based framework they report. Now, I went through uh, the process, uh, took their whole, whole quiz, uh, all interesting stuff. As I mentioned earlier, I'm really into behavioral um, psychology behavioral assessments. I really love uh, reading about psychology. So, interesting to see how different vendors. Uh, deliver these tools and the, the, these theories and uh, make them happen in practice. However, the, and I wasn't really super happy with the output from Positively. Again, I probably need to see a more in-depth demo, but it seems a little bit like horoscopes to me. You know, I got one of the uh, outputs from me was, you have a desire to express your worldview through your investments, which is really not the case. So I'm not really sure that where they got that. They popped up some investment ideas, a bunch of ETFs, one of them is Arc Next Generation Internet, which I do happen to own. So uh, maybe they're spot on with that, but they're all sponsored, uh, which I like that they notified me that they're sponsored, but why am I buying stuff that they're sponsored? They're, they're, they're being paid to present to me. seems like a bit of a conflict. Uh, on their website, they have a, a science section, but there's no white papers or research links to describe the science. That's what I'm really interested in. I want to know, how would you make this stuff? How would you create these questions? Where is it coming from? What's the academic research basing this on. Uh, I wanna see that. They do they mention some stats that their software can increase retention in down markets by 43% and reduce acquisition costs by 50%. Again, I wanna see where they got that from. Uh, I need to see some some pretty decent surveys to know that that is the case. Uh, another question which I, I kind of chuckled at just because we happen to be doing risk um, tolerance, risk assessment, uh, investigations at the moment, uh, evaluations of uh, all the risk platforms. So a bunch of advisors mentioned this kind of question. I'm not sure they were talking about positively, but they did mention uh, if it was, it's a question that starts out, if your investments were like a car, which car would you be? Or or which part of the car would you be most concerned about? And more than I think three advisors, completely independently, all mentioned a question like that, as something that they didn't think made any sense. So I'm not saying that they're right and Positively is wrong. It was just funny coincidence that Positively has a question like that. And I happened to chuckle when I read it. The, the bottom line is, uh, can Bro- uh, Broadridge connect this behavioral assessment into their, their broader wealth management platform? Can it, re- can it enhance or replace risk tolerance questionnaires? Can they link it to their home office models? Uh, and can they, uh, as I said, it looks more like a marketing tool, lead gen tool. Can they connect it to advisor stream somehow? Merge them, combine them, integrate them to provide better solutions for advisors uh, and a better all around uh, integrated uh, experience for them. On to the other tool. So, just to really quick, the um, so I mentioned Totemisk earlier in the previous uh, story. There's another tool they're talking about called Louise, which is, could be a good or bad name. It's something you remember, at least it's different. Louise, uh, but it doesn't relate to anything. Uh, going to the, it, the, it's weird. The website's one page only, no links, no subpages. Looks like some sort of philanthropic application. Not sure what it does or how it works, but it's on this list that's being integrated with Broadridge. No clue what it, how it's going to work. But onto something that I do think I know how it works called Magnify. Uh, they claim it's the world's first semantic investment platform for finance. It helps financial advisors, portfolio managers, and everyday investors find, compare, and act on investment options. So to me, when I looked at this, this looks like an interesting search screener, but I'm a techie, so I like screens with lots of lots of bells and whistles on them. That's that's what I like. I'm not sure every advisor feels the same way that I do, that lots of graphs and charts and things popping around and, and things to click on is what every advisor wants. They really want simplified solutions from what we hear and what we see selling well. But again, uh, interesting, uh, interesting dashboard, interesting search screener, lots of options on the at least on the on the uh, independent uh, investor side for selecting and searching for different ETFs, mutual funds based on fanatic uh, investing, which reminds me of Motif investing, and again also Magnify. When I was doing some searching, came up with Arc Next Gen uh, Internet, so owned by the same company. Not surprised that they're sponsored and pushing it out on both platforms. Again, which is I'm not saying it's a bad investment at all. Just that they're sponsored and being paid to present that to uh, investors. So uh, basically a search screener, pulling pulling out ETFs and mutual funds and stocks. They claim it helps advisors or investors make smarter decisions. Uh, I'm not really sure about that because honestly, investors don't make smart decisions in general. And just giving them the ability to say, well, I want to invest in ESG or human rights stocks that's not going to make a smart investment or a smart decision what else are they invested in what's their what what are their goals you know what, what are their total assets how old are they where are they where do they live what's their job do they have any kids there's a lot of other things involved to decide whether investment is smart uh, although they do allow you to search by fees that's smart so that's one smart bit of it but it's only one factor there's a lot more involved. I mean, every, I think the, the common knowledge of, that investors trail their benchmark when they make their own, when they pick their own investments. I mean, in fact, most advisor portfolios trail their benchmark. So, the smartest decision an advisor, an investor can make is put your money in a professional money model portfolio and leave it alone. But let's say they don't want to do that. Uh, this is a rudimentary investment search, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of, uh, uh, not a lot of uh, results that I think would be useful, but uh, again, this is early. I'm hoping they're going to keep building this out. They have an advisor, uh, a pro feature for advisors that empowers comparison of investment solutions, construction of portfolios, portfolio enhancements, and the ability to instantly search client positions across a book of business. Okay. It sounds like an advisor dashboard I mean, every advisor dashboard worth their salt shows me the top 10 holdings across my book. So I'm not sure if that's what they're talking about, but, Sounds like a security screener and research tool. Looks like it's competing with Morningstar Advisor Workstation, Y Charts. Uh, you know, it's not anywhere near Morningstar Direct, but it's going to be a tough road to hoe. There's a lot of tools in this space that are offering investment screening uh, and, and research, so uh, they've got a long way to go. But maybe the Broadridge, uh, some money from Broadridge, from investment from Broadridge and Morningstar and uh, and J.P. Morgan can help them build this out. They can tie it into the larger enterprise applications, get some broker dealer deals uh, enterprise wide, put this in front of a couple thousand advisors, get some better feedback, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. Now, onto the fourth story in our news roundup Fidelity Digital Assets to expand staff by 70% on strong crypto demand and support for Bitcoin lending. The unit of Boston based asset manager Fidelity Investments. Plans to add about 100 workers in technology and operations in Dublin, Boston, and Salt Lake City. According to Tom Jessup, president of Fidelity Digital Assets. The new employees will help the business develop new products and expand into cryptocurrencies beyond just Bitcoin, uh, Jessup said. So Fidelity is pushing into crypto even more so than they had before. They're one of the first institutional players in the crypto custody space. And they're also not only expanding their staff, but they're looking to expand crypto trading to 24-7. So Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies trade basically around the clock since it's all computerized. There's no centralized exchange. It doesn't stop uh, ever. But uh, the regular business world, the regular securities world is a 9-to-5 or 9-to-4 window every day, uh, especially with custody required, books and record update overnight with uh, batch processing. So everything sort of stops. While crypto keeps running. So they're looking to build some sort of tools that can do real-time, guess real-time custody, so that you can do trading of crypto outside of normal security trading hours. Fidelity has been in this for a while. In 2018, it was back then when they announced uh, their custodial offering, specifically targeting institutional investors. And Fidelity is clearly doubling down on crypto boom this year, They even filed back in March of this year, an application for a Bitcoin Bitcoin ETF. And it's currently pending approval with the SEC, along with 20 or so other cryptocurrency ETFs. Seven in 10 institutional investors expect to buy or invest in digital assets in the future. According to some research by Fidelity, of course, and more than 90% of those interested And more than 90% of those interested in digital assets expect to have an allocation in their institutional or client portfolios within the next five years. All the data is pointing up, all the interest is pointing up. Uh, Now, of course, the US still lags a bit behind when it comes to digital assets. Adoption And the US is around 33% of US institutions. In the UK, or the, the EU, it's 56%. And in Asia, it's over 70%. So we've got a bit of catch up to do when it comes to digital assets. And some interesting stats. Of course, it's easy to go check the price. You know, the price of Bitcoin has, uh, has jumped up a bit from being uh, touching the 29,000 mark. I believe it's around 43,000 today, but it's more than just the price. There's a lot of assets flowing into the space. In fact, stable coins uh, have seen more capital inflows than US municipal bonds so far this year. The top three stable coins, which are Basically, cryptocurrencies that are pegged to the dollar, so the price of these cryptos are, are always one dollar. Uh, the, the amount of assets flowing into stablecoins has almost quadrupled this year, uh, from 21 billion to 102 billion in assets versus last year. So, this 75 billion increase in assets into stablecoins is greater than the 73 billion in assets that investors have added to municipal bond funds and extreme and ETFs this year. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the infrastructure bill currently winding its way through the Senate and its impact on crypto. I'm going to read a bit from an article written by uh, Fred Wilson, who's a well-known cryptocurrency expert and advocate. So this is what Fred says on his website, and I'll post a link to this in the show notes. So Fred says, as I mentioned in his post last week, there is language in the initial draft of the infrastructure bill requiring crypto brokers, and he has quotes around that, to report gains and losses to the IRS. The Treasury expects this provision to produce upwards of $30 billion in new tax revenues over the next 10 years. I personally, who's Fred, have no issue with crypto gains and losses being treated the same as stock gains and losses, and we have been doing that uh, for quite a while now. But I do have concerns that the way brokers, in quotes, are defined in the context of crypto is very different than how it is defined in the traditional financial sector. The language in the initial draft is overly broad, infringing on privacy, and technically unworkable. Crypto industry participants like miners, wallets, smart contracts, and other kinds of hardware and software cannot carry the same obligations as brokers, in quotes, like Coinbase and Square Cash and PayPal and others. It is also the case that when a government decides that a sector is an important producer of revenue or potential revenue, that is a sign that it has arrived. Many out there think these new regulations are bad for crypto, but I, and Fred, uh, this is Fred speaking, think they are a bullish sign. Crypto is here to stay and is a mainstream industry now. For these reasons, I think it is a watershed moment for crypto in the US. The industry has come together like never before and is acting in concert professionally and productively. productively. It is on message and effective, and the government is getting in business with the crypto sector to finance its own needs. That sounds like a win to me. So back to Craig here. So that, that I, I agree completely with what Fred said there. They, well, first of all, why they, they stuck this crypto language in this bill at the last moment just speaks to how corrupt and how messed up things are in Washington now, how broken the system is. But fortunately, they're, hopefully they'll be able to change the language with some pressure to make it more reasonable and, and, move, and let the, the bill move forward or not move forward, but without or not necessarily impacting cryptocurrency markets. Now, before I, I finish up with the crypto section, I want to uh, tell you to take a, a ride over to blockchange.ai, that's block, B-L-O-C-K, change, like changing the time or changing your, your driver's license, blockchange.ai. And this is a company that has a digital asset network where they connect uh, money managers who have cryptocurrency portfolios and models with advisors. And they do all the work, they do all the connections, they provide all the trading, All the rebalancing allocations, they have a single interface for for, uh, client accounts. You can adapt different strategies across a wide range of digital assets. And it's blockchain.ai. Hey, it's Craig again, just wrapping up a few things before we go. Make sure to head on over to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Every month, you will get an email in your inbox, chock full of wealth management goodies, content, news, updates, information that you don't want to miss. That's all we have. Talk to you again next time.